a, uh, a, a couple of uh, a couple more uh, announcements. Uh, first, uh, uh, Jen mentioned that there will be folks staying after to help take down decorations. You may well be one of those folks, even if you don't know that yet. Um, the, uh, there's a meeting of the sermon evaluation team, and you all know who you are. Uh, but uh, because many of those folks often would be taking down decorations and will not be because they will be coming to that meeting because we need to finish it in time for me to get home by kickoff. <coughs> Having our priorities straight as always. Um, let me encourage you, if you are able-bodied and reasonably comfortable either on ladders or taking things down from people who are, uh, to stick around just for a few minutes. Uh, if, if enough folks show up, it won't take much time at all. Uh, we have coming up, uh, you'll see in your bulletin, a few special guests in two weeks. We're going to have uh, preaching during that week of Christian unity, uh, or week of prayer for Christian unity. We'll have our friend Jerry Naki uh, come to preach. Uh, he's a retired Lutheran bishop. And then uh, two weeks after that, we will have Brent Latham. Uh, Brent is the new dean of the Ecumenical Institute of Theology at St. Mary's, which is one of the ministries that New Hope supports. So the gym was pretty crowded this week. <clears throat> this being that, uh, that first week after the new year when the gyms, I think, I think it must be the equivalent of, of uh, Black Friday for the retailers is the, the, the first day of the year for the, for the gyms. It's everybody with their resolutions is coming in to try to get in shape, get back in shape, get in shape for the first time. But this week was also... An important anniversary, the 150th anniversary of what, Joe? What you? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. the Emancipation Proclamation. Sorry, I, I should have warned you. I was turning to the Civil War buff. Yeah, this was the yes. That's right. That's important. This is five years, right, Norm? Congratulations, Norm. It's five years. Uh, so uh, a lot of exciting anniversaries, but uh, on, on the anniversary of the Emancipation Proclamation, it is somewhat ironic that we are here in Romans 6, where Paul is talking all about slavery. But the fact is, as Paul tells us over and over and in all sorts of clever and creative ways, as Bob Dylan said, you're going to have to serve somebody. You're going to be a slave to somebody. The question is who? Let's catch up to where we were in Romans. We'll start at the beginning of chapter 6. What then are we going to say? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And the answer is megenoita. And kids, you remember what megenoita means? Megenoita in Greek, that great phrase that you can trot out any time you need to tell somebody that they're an idiot. Yes, megenoita is Greek, means by no means, absolutely not, God forbid, hell no. But it also could be a way of God saying, what kind of a moron are you even to ask that question? Shall we remember, kids? Again, I, I, you know, you learn this at church. This is a, a perfectly legitimate way to tell somebody they're being an idiot. You just say "megenoita," it's Greek, and unless they're Greek, in which case they may hit you, you're probably going to be okay. <laughs> I'm going to get letters. Um, so, shall we go on sinning so the grace may increase? What a stupid question! 
We died to sin, Paul says. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And as Rick talked about when he preached on this text, the, one of the reasons that baptism is so important for us as believers, not just because we're following in something that Jesus told us to do, which is something we ought to do, not just because we're following in the traditions of 2,000 years of God's people, doing this, the kind of thing that unifies us with the body of Christ around the world and across the centuries, but this is also a demonstration and a, a, an enactment of something that is happening when we come to faith in Christ, when we put our trust in him, is that we are dying with him and then therefore being raised again, if you go to a good kind of baptism where they take you out of the water. They've got those mob baptisms with the concrete shoes. That's a different kind of thing. But then you're, we're, we're buried with him in baptism into death and then raised with him to newness of life. Through the glory of the Father, we too... Paul says, may live a new life. And if we have been united with him like this in his death, then we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, or you might say, might be rendered impotent, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anybody who's died, of course, has been freed from sin. As Joe talked about when he preached on this passage, you, you can't be resurrected until you do what first? Die. To live is to die. And if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also then live with him, for we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he can't die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, Reckon yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't offer the members, the parts of your body to sin as tools of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Offer the parts of your body to him as tools of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master. Because you are not under law. You're under grace. And as Steve talked about when he preached on this next passage last week. Grace is a vital idea that Paul tells us about in distinction to obedience to Torah, obedience to law, we are, Paul says, emphatically under grace. We are not going to earn God, God's favor. We're not going to merit his forgiveness. We're not going to impress him by doing the right things, even if they are the right things and they should be done. The life in Christ is one in which it is for freedom that we have been set free. We are free to follow him. But that means we are also free from 
the written code. So what then, Paul says, shall we sin because we are not under law but under grace? In light of this, are we going to then say, yeah, we'll just go ahead and sin because, you know, we're not under law, so we got grace, right? What do you think Paul said to that, kids? What a stupid question. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as a slave, you're slaves to the one whom you obey. Whether you're slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. And one of the things I appreciate so much about Darcy's sermon in this section was the importance of understanding what we mean by sin and what we don't mean by sin. She had, you may remember, the suitcase. And if you didn't catch any of these, you can catch them all on the website. In a suitcase full of all of these different ideas about sin, some of which are accurate, but some of which are not. And as Darcy said, if you have too much packed in the suitcase, if you define too many things as sin, like, for example, a chocolate melting cake, as you see that as sinfully delicious then you're not really going to take sin seriously because too much is characterized as sin. We've been set free from sin. We've become slaves to righteousness. Now, that's a hard thing for us to hear, isn't it? One thing that's hard for us as Americans, given the shameful history of our country, to even think of anybody saying anything about anybody being a slave let alone saying that all of us are slaves to something or somebody. But the truth is, in Paul's time, people hearing this letter, and they, most of them heard it because most of them were illiterate, they would not have found it at all unusual that they would be slaves of somebody. Of course, plenty of people in the early church were themselves slaves. They were familiar with the institution of slavery, but they were also familiar with a world in which they were taking orders from somebody else, in which they were doing what somebody else told them to do a fairly large part of the time. We flatter ourselves to think that we are not like that. But the truth is, we are always following some sort of, a voice, some sort of direction. Even when, and my generation is famous for this, even when we're slacking off, we're following directions from someplace. So some people, when they were at the gym when I was there, were there because they were following a decision they had made to get healthier. Others were there because they were Slaves to a voice of fear that said if they didn't look a certain way that nobody would ever like them. Or they were slaves to a voice that said that if they didn't get healthy, that somehow their life wouldn't be meaningful. They wouldn't be valuable. But then there are plenty of people who weren't at the gym listening to voices that said, well... It's better to be comfortable. It's better to do 
something else. It's not that important. Even when we're doing nothing at all, we're following some sort of an instruction from somewhere that's telling us not to do the thing we ought to do. That's why that prayer of confession that we say at the beginning of our prayer time is so convicting for all of us because we're asking God to forgive us for the things that we have done and the things we have left undone. And sometimes we leave things undone because we have chosen to follow the dictates of the world or the flesh or the devil. But what Paul wants us to hear is that we get to decide whom it is that we serve. Remember, he says, let's go back to verse 16, when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, implicitly, you all do that. We all do that. We don't have the option not to. We are all offering ourselves to someone as obedient slaves. We are slaves to the one we obey, whether slave to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though we used to be slaves to sin, we wholeheartedly obey the form of teaching to which you're entrusted. You've been set free from sin, Paul says. You've been liberated from that master. And now you get to be slaves to righteousness. Now, I'm putting this in human terms, Paul says, because of the weakness of your natural selves. I certainly was feeling that at the gym on the weight machines. I'm putting this in human terms so you can get this, Paul. See, just as you used to offer the parts of your body in slavery to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now you get to offer them in slavery to righteousness, which leads to holiness. See, back when you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you're now ashamed of? Those things result in death, but now that you have been set free from sin, you become slaves to God, the benefit that you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. You get to decide whom you serve. Slave to sin, slave to righteousness. Slave to the enemy, slave to God. Because we know, Paul says, we know from the things we're ashamed of, we know that the wages of sin, where sin cashes out, is in the grave. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. You get to pick one, but you have to choose. And if you don't choose, then by default, you are choosing the way of sin, the way of unrighteousness, the way, ultimately, of death. If you ignore this, if you pretend this isn't the case, if you say, no, I'm my own person, I do what I want to do, if you fail to recognize the degree to which your own sinful nature corrupts you, the way that a world in rebellion against God has conditioned you, 
to do the things you shouldn't do and to fail to do the things you should, the ways that the enemy tempts us, then you put yourself in a position where you are allowing yourself to be controlled. You choose to be a victim. On Wednesday morning, I met for breakfast with my friend Matt. He's a guy I've gotten together with for accountability for years now, decade, over a decade, I think. And as I was describing to him the way I was thinking about my day, he remarked, you know, you're talking about, and I was that morning agonizing about whether I was going to be going to the gym and when. I mean, this was, I, I keep talking about the gym. This is very much on my mind because this is something that I'm very much thinking about because I, I was, I realized, look, you know, here's what I could do. I could make sure I had this appointment here and then stop by the library and then, ah, uh, I wouldn't have time to stop at the gym before I had to be home. Or, I could make sure that I got there at some point during a day that started with a 7 o'clock meeting and ended with an 8 o'clock meeting that finished at 11. I could find some time to make sure that I went there. I could either take it or I could allow myself to be taken. I could choose to control the day or I could choose to allow the day to control me. He said, you know, you're talking about the choice between manfully running your life and simply being a victim. Because one of the great things about a long-term accountability partner is every once in a while they encourage you and congratulate you for something that you're doing right, and they know plenty of background against which they can say that. But it's not just a matter of deciding whether you're going to be a slave to righteousness or sin. It's not just about willpower. This is one of the reasons that we have community here. We're part of a community of people where we are all together trying to follow Christ faithfully, where we can encourage one another, where we can help one another. We have insight into the lives of one another, and we can speak into one another's lives as we have permission to do that. We, we learn to practice disciplines. One of the reasons that many of us who do the electronic funds transfer, the EFT and our tithing, is that you, you make a, a good decision. You set a, a, a plan. You have good intentions about wanting to give a certain amount. And so then it can be hard when a time comes actually to write that check to do it. So one of the great things about EFT is it just comes out of your bank account, whether you decided to or not. You decide that's important, then you do that. Engage in all sorts of disciplines in our lives, whether it's disciplines of study or exercise, crazy fad diets. But we engage in these disciplines because what we're trying to do is develop habits that are appropriate to people who are slaves of righteousness, not Slaves of sin. And of course, we're doing all of these things not by our own willpower and not because we're somehow going to engineer our lives to be better. We do this under the power and the direction and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, who is the one who has called us to this kind of life and who empowers us to live it. And eventually, in time, as we do this, what we see is we see that our desires that were disordered, are more and more coming into line with God's. We find that 
the things that, not only the things we do, but the things we want are brought into closer harmony with God's will. We can say, as we did in the prayer this morning, that we may delight in your will, not just that we may know your will and obey it because we know we ought to, but we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. The alternative, Paul says, is death. That's where sin cashes out. You're going to have to serve somebody. And the gift of God, whom we may serve joyfully, is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We're about to take communion. And we do this as people who have placed ourselves under the Lordship of Christ. We do this, again, in unity with God's people around the world and across the centuries, receiving with gratitude the gifts of God that are for the people of God. We do this, as we always do at New Hope, by beginning by reciting together the Nicene Creed. I'll invite you to stand up as we do that together. It's one of the disciplines that we practice in this community to remind ourselves of what we're doing and why we're doing it, the unity we have with believers throughout the centuries and around the world. And after that, I'll invite you to come forward to receive the elements and then bring them back to your seat. We'll take them together. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is, seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he came from the Virgin Mary. For our sake, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Come again to judge, to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.